This is Listen to the Editors, a series of interviews with journal editors to unveil the trends in research for operations and supply chain management. I'm your host, Yuri Gavronsky. In this episode, we are interviewing the editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Production Economics, Stefan Miner. Stefan Miner is a full professor for logistics and supply chain management at the School of Management, Technical University of Munich, TUM. He serves on several editorial boards of logistics and operations journals. Currently, Stefan Miner is the editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Production Economics. His research interests are in global supply chain design, transportation optimization, and inventory management. And his work are published in many peer-reviewed journals, including production and operations management, management science, manufacturing and service operations management, operations research, transportation research part B, European Journal of Operational Research and OR Spectrum. He is a fellow of the International Society for Inventory Research and is currently vice chairman of the Scientific Advisory Board of the German Logistics Association, a member of the Research Committee of the European Logistics Association and the speaker of the research training group Advanced Optimization in a Networked Economy at TUM. Good morning, Stefan. Hello, Yuri. Nice to talk to you. My pleasure. So, how do you read the mission of the International Journal of Production Economics? Yeah, the most important thing is uh, already indicated in the two words, uh, production and economics, right? So the journal is positioned at the interface between engineering and management. So we are always uh, looking at uh, an interdisciplinary approach to several operations uh, problems. Uh, and of course, it has a view on improving uh, industrial practice, but at the same time also strengthening the theoretical base uh, in operations. So the most important thing to read our aims and scope and mission statement is that we are looking for, of course, uh, novel scientific contributions, but at the same time having both the economic and financial consequences of uh, operations decisions. And this is also what distinguishes our journal from several other, for example, pure operations research or operations management journals. So um, any any uh, preference for either analytical or empirical research or both are welcome? No, in terms of methodology, we are covering any kind of methodology. So analytical work, uh, computational, empirical, case study, qualitative approaches. So methodology wise, whatever fits into this interface engineering management uh, is welcome. I just interviewed the editor of, of a AOM journal and they asked their authors to not send any empirical work. So how do you view a paper that um, doesn't have any empirical base, for example, a, a pure theoretical contribution. As long as it has a novel scientific contribution and fits our aims of scope, uh, these uh, submissions are welcome. Of course, what you often see is that there is a convergence between combining analytical and empirical work, but this is not a must for our journal. So it can also be purely empirical or pure analytical work as long as it fits to our aims and scope. Okay. Um, did this mission change since the foundation of the journal? Well, actually, the journal, when it started, was called Engineering Cost and Production Economics. So it has always had this position at the interface and this uh, 
engineering management and interdisciplinary and cross methodology views so, uh, that hasn't changed. Although the topics that have been covered uh, in terms of importance uh, has changed, uh, the overall mission uh, has remained uh, since its foundation. Okay, how, how old is the journal? It was founded in the 80s. Okay, um, how many issues per year do you publish? So we publish monthly, so we have uh, 12 issues per year. And last year we had more than 2,200 submissions. And uh, let me see a quick math here. Um, you have about um, how many how many papers a year do you publish? We publish about 300. And you had how many submissions? 2,200, a bit more. So, so it's uh, roughly a little bit less than 15% acceptance rate. How much of that is desk reject? Would you have a breakdown by percentage of how many of those 85% uh, of rejected papers are desk rejected? Half. So what, what, what we do as part of our process is to do a careful initial screening of uh, incoming manuscripts and uh, all those which are running short in terms of a clear statement of contribution and even more sincere uh, not really comply with our aims and scope right so if we miss this uh, interface and also this valuation perspective so we very often get purely algorithmic uh, papers where i say there's other outlets and this does not comply with our uh, mission so we don't send out those for reviewers which explains a quite high uh, number of death rejections. Why would, for example, you aim to have um, this um, care with the uh, reviewers? Do you, do you um, I don't know, it's a type of valuation of reviewer time or, because I think there's a, a trade-off here, right? Between giving some feedback to the authors by the reviewers or, you know, valuing or saving um, re reviewers time and effort what's what's the point that you're trying to achieve here it's a mix of both now of course first of all reviewer time is uh, scarce and very valuable and uh, often it's also very difficult to find appropriate reviewers uh, who don't have a full uh, pile of uh, papers to review uh, so that's one of the challenges so you have to be careful with using the reviewers time and in the end uh, if you get the comment back from the reviewer, did you have a careful read of the paper? And uh, if you would have, you wouldn't have sent it to me because there are so many obvious things that even though I like the content that this paper has not been ready for submission yet. And uh, sometimes then you, of course, you feel you're an editor in a literal sense. Uh, and that's then we, we feel we should send back to the authors either with the comment, uh, please look at our aims and scopes, strengthen the valuation perspective or do your homework first and uh, uh, apply a bit more due diligence when uh, preparing the manuscript before we can really send it out uh, to the reviewers and that they are ready uh, ready and uh, also have an, an enjoyable read uh, of the paper. And the second one is uh, even if let's say you get the feedback from the reviewers which then says uh, reject the paper because it does not fit to your aims and scope then you also feel that you use their time and uh, in the end regardless of what they would have said you would have told the author anyway it does not fit really to our mission statement so we try to uh, prevent that ha happening by doing this initial screening okay what would be then the main causes of, uh, i i mean i see that the desk rejection part normally goes with the 
um, misread or um, not a very careful reading of the Amazon scope, but uh, anything else that you, that you would point out? That it's the three main arguments, uh, aims and scope, uh, careful preparation of the manuscript, and then, of course, uh, also the, the degree of innovation. So if it's really a minor epsilon increments of, of something, I would say, okay, also journal space uh, and what we want to give to our readers should be substantial and novel. These are the main reasons, three main reasons. Okay. Um, how, how long have you been the editor-in-chief for, for the journal? Not for two years. Okay. And did you change anything in terms of structure? Did you did you put in place some different uh, approaches in terms of editorial group or editorial team? Now the editorial team uh, for quite some time has uh, remained unchanged. So currently we have five editors. Formerly the journal uh, had a regional focus, so somebody for covering Asia, Europe, and the Americas. Uh, but of course, uh, sometimes uh, also for cross-comparison, uh, we are also redirecting manuscripts more in a subject area where some of the editors are experts uh, in certain methodologies and uh, certain application areas. So this is still a transition which is um, ongoing from this purely regional allocation of uh, editorial work to a more topical one. But we still have this, uh, let's say, five editors, and then uh, after the editor's work, it goes to reviewers. So we don't have this two-stage uh, system like other journals have. Mm. So what would be the editorial process? You, you, you receive the paper, you evaluate, I mean... Now, first papers, when they are submitted, they go for a technical check with the publisher. Then they go uh, to the editor who does this screening, which I just explained. And if we feel the manuscript is worthwhile being reviewed, we select reviewers and then send it out uh, to the reviewers. Oh, so you are a team of five right. editors in chief, for example. I, I don't understand. What we have five editors and uh, currently just in naming, I'm the editor in chief and the others are editors. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's but no... We don't have this associate uh, editor or department editor. Mm, what happens when the reviewers return their comments? Yeah, of course, we give the reviews uh, to the authors. And uh, sometimes, of course, reviews need moderation, uh, in particular, if they are conflicting. And then this is where the editor uh, comments on that. Mm -hmm. And then um, what happens? Would you have a, a limit on the number of times that the, the papers go to the reviewers in the review process? Or you every time the, the, the authors make a revision, it goes back to the reviewers for analysis what what is the policy? Oh, we don't have a strict rule saying we are doing maximum two rounds and so on we don't have a limit so we also have some exceptional cases where it takes uh, more rounds but usually uh, let's say we also try to be done in two rounds uh, and if it doesn't converge uh, after a certain amount of rounds of course this could also be a reason for rejecting a paper even at higher rounds uh, even though this is, let's say, not the normal case, but it might happen if it doesn't converge uh, after three or four rounds. Well, I think that this question might probably have been answered before, but um, there's a there's a, an idea. I personally, I, I don't don't share that idea that you should decide the, the target journal before starting the project, but um, but maybe earlier in the process, you should decide your your target journal and what authors should take in account uh, 
in deciding for International Journal of Production Economics as their target journal? I think first of all, if we are working in science, uh, we first should think about what is the knowledge we are gaining and what are the research questions and maybe not primarily say we are now writing a paper for that particular journal, because then the primary purpose would be generate publications, which might of course also be an important target. Uh, but of course, if we have uh, something which is uh, good for our journal, uh, and then tailoring the write-up and present uh, the results of the research in a way that uh, we really uh, see this, where's the interface between engineering and management and where is this valuation aspect which we uh, try to focus on. Which of course might also be, let's say, if you want to tailor your research for the International Journal of Production Economics to think about what's going beyond the algorithmic and technology part which goes into the uh, business aspect or economics aspect of valuation. Would you would you have any 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 papers that you that you came across during your tenure as an editor that you found interesting in terms of um, methods or ingenuity or, or, or that fits that profile? I mean, probably all, all all papers that you publish fit that profile, right? Because you screen, but um, any that you found particularly interesting or ingenious in in this in this sense. Well, there is always papers who much better comply with this idea of combining the disciplines or also combining uh, methodologies. Uh, and there is other papers where you say this is just a minimum of uh, addressing this valuation. Um, there are a couple of good examples who really have uh, incorporated valuation uh, principles also at the interface uh, to, let's say, pure economics and, and finance. Uh, but I wouldn't highlight a, a single paper, but uh, there is some uh, which are very strong on, on this valuation aspects. And um, in particular, if you look at papers valuing uh, new technologies, so now we are all talking about the digital transformation and what does it mean for business models and investments needed and a long-term perspective. So also having this intertemporal valuation uh, perspective. And there are a couple of good papers uh, out applying traditional valuation techniques, but also combining that with new data-driven uh, learning techniques. Mm. Um, would you have, a, for example, a best paper award in, in, in the journal? We don't have a best paper award yet. Mm -hmm. uh, we are discussing about introducing, but of course, this all has uh, advantages and disadvantages. I see. In particular, if you have a journal which is, uh, let's say, rather diverse in, in terms of uh, topics and also methodologies, uh, what does it mean if you have a single best paper award? Or do you give best paper awards for different topics or different methodological approaches? So uh, it's a challenge to find the balance, uh, appreciating excellent work, but uh, excellence might mean different things. Mm, interesting um, dilemma in a, in a way, right? Yeah. So um, how do you manage the journal in, in the month-to-month -month operations? Do you have any performance measures? Do you have any statistics of download citations, other KPIs that you use to, to manage the day-to-day -day operations of the journal? We rather infrequently look at uh, download statistics. Uh, of course, what we see on an almost daily basis is uh, submissions, uh, papers under review, papers under revision, uh, and so on, so that we really steer the flow of incoming manuscript, manuscripts being in the first round, second round, uh, manuscripts uh, accepted, waiting for allocation uh, to the next uh, free issue. 
So we always uh, see that we have uh, some manuscripts into the future out uh, on the homepage and also for the printed version, and that there's always a good pipeline. Even though, of course, the, lux the luxury of a journal like uh, International Journal of Production Economics is there is a good inflow of good manuscripts we can work with, so we never have the uh, pressure to uh, reduce our quality standards or uh, purposely having to chase for manuscript. Of course, we are always chasing for good manuscript, and this then ties in uh, selecting uh, special issues on hot topics. Uh, and there we recently changed the process saying we invite uh, applications for call for papers for special issues, but we collect them and then decide twice a year on what special issues we actually want to grant. And we decide that in the board of editors. Would you have any, any special issue in particular that are open now? Uh, currently, we have two special issues which are open. Uh, one is on uh, sustainability uh, and uh, so sustainability and closed loop supply chains. And the other one is on platform service supply chain management. We also see here also for re recent special issues we had and the calls which are currently open are addressing the hot topics uh, which uh, all of us are somewhat uh, exposed to, so sustainability on the one hand side and then digital transformation on the other side, changing business models and how does that all impact uh, manufacturing and service operations. Okay, great. Um, and in the long term, um, how would you describe the KPIs for the journal? For example, do, do you have the number of downloads or number of citations? And we have the number of downloads, which uh, last year were roughly 2.2 uh, million. Um, of course, what we also uh, monitor closely is impact. Of course, there's different ways of uh, impact, and it's not just the impact factor. Although, of course, the impact factor is one uh, important measure we are looking at. And the impact factor, the two-year impact factor last year was 4.998. I'm still struggling where we miss the two <laughs> thousands <laughs> that would have given us a five. But now, now more, more seriously, the, the journal is uh, listed in three categories for impact factors. So it's number three in industrial engineering, number four in operations research and management science, and number five in manufacturing engineering. And of course, the impact factor itself uh, always has been growing for all journals over the last years. So it's more important to see the position relative to competitor journals. So it's more the rank we are looking at. And of course, it's uh, going up and down, even though for IGPE over the last years, it has been steadily uh, increasing and uh, doing better. And this is also what we monitor. So what are the papers which are most highly uh, downloaded and cited? So what are really the, the topics and the methodologies which uh, receive a lot of uh, attention? So would you have any any other rankings where you are listed, for example, the um, uh, ABS or any other? Yeah, there's many other rankings which are more, let's say, country or region specific. We are also monitoring that. So whether it's a, a four or a three, a category three journal or these um, A, B, uh, C categories, categorization. Uh, so there, in many of those rankings, we are also securing uh, rather high ranks, even though there is still some room for improvement. Right? And uh, if you take over the role as an editor-in-chief, people are asking, what do you want to achieve? And uh, of course, we could do a little bit better, provide good service and uh, also faster and reliable service to the community uh, and, uh, of course, uh, improve the impact. And what about the global global audience? I mean, would you have a spread of 
I don't know, downloads or, or readership around the globe? I mean, both in terms of readership and authorship, uh, the International Journal of Production Economics is really a global and international journal. So we really cover the different regions. And uh, of course, in terms of submissions, uh, we are getting half of the submissions from Asia, uh, roughly 30% from Europe and 20% from the Americas. So that's a qu quite a good balance uh, also in terms of what we publish later on and uh, in readership. And also topic-wise, so sometimes we have papers which also focus on operational problem or operations problems in a certain region or even comparisons uh, between and across different regions. So we really uh, try to provide a platform for international readership and not uh, have local focus. And so far, I guess that works pretty well in, in all dimensions. So downloads, submissions and um, readers and publications. You provided me a breakdown in terms of authorship. Would you have a breakdown in terms of readership, downloads, or, and so on? It's, I mean, it's a bit heavier on the Asian side, but uh, roughly it's a similar split up. Is there any topic or subject that you find that is missing from the, the submissions that you'd like to see more? Or is there any topic that you see that is trending in terms of, of uh, subject area or either methods or uh, that you'd like to, to highlight? No, what, what we really see is that many submissions are addressing the current uh, challenges uh, of societies and economies like sustainability, innovation, uh, new technologies, industry for zero, di digital transformation. So I wouldn't say there is any gap. If there would be a gap, actually we could create a special issue to also stimulate research in that area, which we sometimes do. Uh, but what we see in terms of uh, submissions and also publications is really addressing those issues. What we are seeing a bit more compared to the history of the International Journal of Production Economics is, of course, more empirical work. You might see there's other outlets which are purely empirical, or as you said before, some who don't uh, accept papers if there is no empirical uh, part in it. So we are seeing more empirical work uh, also in our journal now compared to the uh, past. Mm -hmm. uh, what initiatives the International Journal of Production Economics is undertaking to publicize the papers and increasing their impact, if any? Mm -hmm. uh, we are now, what we haven't done in the past, starting a newsletter to also summarize uh, some of the papers we have uh, recently published to highlight uh, some of uh, those hot topics being addressed in the papers to further um, create uh, awareness what's in the journal and uh, stimulate more readership. And uh, what's the relevance to the managerial practice of the, the papers that you publish? Do you gather any evidence for, for, those, um, for those papers? It's hard to do. I mean, it's different than creating uh, patterns. Uh, uh, but of course, what we see a lot is uh, also case-based papers, whether case studies or uh, case reports uh, being published and this is where we see that methods from our domain and community also get into implementation and papers are reporting on successes uh, of uh, methodology and uh, concepts. So still uh, we are heavier as an academic journal on uh, academic publications but there's also a considerable number uh, of uh, cases and case applications and then that's uh, towards the outreach uh, into managerial practice and um, industry. 
In terms of uh, research methods, any change in terms of, uh, of um, either research methods or those new techniques of forecasting and, 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 and machine learning, any, any new requirement that you see that was, for example, uh, some years ago, if someone was doing something using neural networks would be accepted. And now we are now requiring more from those uh, papers, something like that. Yeah, you often see that. As I already said, we are now seeing more empirical work, also more data-driven work. But like in any discipline, uh, once uh, more data-driven or machine learning work gets into a discipline, in the beginning you are happier with we are you are happy with just applying those techniques. And once uh, there's more maturity to the topic, people are getting more demanding and saying it's not just enough. Uh, to apply that technique, but can you also show that certain results uh, have statistical significance? You see convergence uh, in learning rates. Uh, uh, so also more, more theory uh, behind the methods uh, and not, not just the pure and sheer application of methods. I see. And I guess that's what we see with many outlets, uh, including uh, ours. And more specifically, would you have any advice, for example, that someone trying to publish something using say machine learning? Well, the question is, where, where is the contribution? You could say, okay, you still apply standard methods as long as it addresses an important valuation question for any technology or operations. Uh, or if the contribution is more advancing uh, some of the learning or doing things differently, as long as there is a novel contribution, uh, standard method to a new problem or the other way around, uh, we are happy to uh, have a look at those papers and publish them. And in your opinion, how do we address the, the trade-off between contribution and speed? Um, for example, I, I see, I've seen around people complaining that our research or the scientific research not other areas such as physics people were publishing in blogs or something like that because they think that they want to have their publications or their results faster uh, and we on the other side and journals have this length lengthy process that is geared towards uh, making sure that the authors didn't have any major flaws in the methods and and so on and so forth um how do we address this trade-off between speed and quality in 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 making public the results of of uh, our research now of course what we are trying uh, also compared to the past is provide more timely service uh, to the authors uh, so to try to reduce review times to a minimum, but still giving the reviewers the, the time they need to carefully check a, a manuscript and not just uh, glance it. Right? So there's, let's say, minimum quality standards. And there, let's say, we don't compromise further on speed. Uh, but of course, we try to be back with the authors uh, after a reasonable time. Which means usually we still uh, give our reviewers uh, 60 days. We are trying to be a bit faster uh, now, but uh, try to provide timely feedback. Uh, which on the other side, let's say, if you say, uh, I want the review in 10 days, then of course, uh, the, the most qualified reviewers will tell you, then you have to go for somebody else. <laughs> let's say, this is, let's say this, is, this is our trade-off. Okay. How do, you, how do you fund yourselves as a journal? I mean, uh, our journal is uh, published by Elsevier, 
-hmm. So the funding uh, of the journal uh, is Elsevier and the business model of uh, selling that to libraries in, in packages and subscriptions. Of course, there's a possibility for open access, but let's say this is what we are going to see more because also funding agencies request uh, that uh, certain results are open access, but we are still under the business model of publishers. And this is what funds uh, the, the journal and all the services. And mm -hmm. Okay, I pretty much covered what I expected to see in, in this interview. I, I, I don't know if you have anything that you'd like to add or... I think I had the opportunity to really stress what's important for us. And uh, I hope I'm getting a few more good submissions after people listening to this interview. I hope so. Uh, Stefan, one, one, another question, uh, and this is something that came up in your interview several times. And also, I, it's a question of mine. Um, how to integrate better analytical and empirical work? Because it, you know, it's hard to, in many cases, um, to make make a. Uh, we have a limit in terms of size for for the papers, right? So how do you how do you make a good paper? Being careful in terms of um, the the analytical side and, and the empirical side, and also finding reviewers good at both ends. How, how do you manage that difficult task? I mean, if you if you get a paper which has both, and of course sometimes you are inviting uh, one reviewer stronger on the theory part and the other one more on the uh, empirical uh, methods part. So it's really a, a matter of composition of the review team. We are not requiring and uh, requesting that there are both parts, but of course sometimes also as a matter of the review process. Uh, it uh, often pops up saying, okay, it's a nice theory, but do you have any empirical evidence or how did you get uh, all the parameters needed for your methods? And then usually by requesting a few additions to papers, which on first submission did not really have that balance or minimum requirement or the same on empirical method asking for more, more theory or more sophisticated backgrounds, uh, I guess we sometimes get this convergence or mix uh, also through the review process by requesting a few additional things if they are not uh, in in the first submission okay thank you very much i i think we covered pretty much everything i i thank you for your time and and i hope that our uh, listeners enjoy listening to our interview thank you for giving me the opportunity to present the journal it's a great service for the community i hope so Listen to the Editors is an initiative of the Operations and Supply Chain Management Division of the Academy of Management. We post our interviews monthly in our division website. You can discuss any of the topics of this episode using our interactive tool, connect.aom.org. Using the discussion section of our site, you can also post suggestions for questions, journal editors you would like to hear from, and requests for clarifications. You can also subscribe to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or with the Podcast Addict app on Android. See you next month.